Welcome to the SNS ICE podcast, your go-to source for the latest news and in-depth insights into the world of 6G in Europe. Join us as we dive into industry news, analyze the latest trends, and discuss the development of the new generation of cellular networks. Welcome, everyone. So it's obviously a little bit strange having a 5G tech toy and talking about 6G, but we'll, we'll give it a go. Maybe one point to make is we are going to be talking about 6G and why 6G, but, but we shouldn't forget about 5G. 6G is a technology we're going to be using from 2030 onwards. But for today, and especially when we're talking about applying technology and applying it to new areas like the verticals, it's 5G, the technology that we are deploying, and that's still vitally important all the way up to 2030 and beyond. Okay, with that little health warning, I would like to introduce a, a distinguished panel. Because I'm extremely lazy, rather than me presenting the people, I will ask each candidate to actually present themselves, because it's easier for me. So, Raphael, maybe you'll be kind enough to introduce yourself, sir. Okay, hello, Federer. I'm a 6J board member and vice chair uh, with Colin. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a strategy officer in Telecom Italia Mobile. Uh, so, my duty is basically to evaluate economically new business cases for the company, but also to assess the state of the, our industry. So, I'm looking how what the outlook of the industry is like today and what it will be in the future. Just to set the scene, today we have a quite wealthy industry. I must say less and less profitable. The problem is, will this industry still be uh, investment grade in 2030 when 6G arrives? Yes, a bit, please. Uh, my name is Ejibet Fitori, and um, I'm the new executive director of the Smart Networks and Services joint undertaking that Colin is also a chairman of. And I have very recently joined on the 1st of October. So uh, the uh, community, uh, the events are, are still very new to me, but I come from uh, the telecoms industry and indeed I have been working for Vodafone Group and also for um, trade associations representing the vendor, specifically the fiber community, uh, but also telecoms operators um, in the past. Um, so that's me. Thank you. Good start. Thank you. Uwe. Thank you, Colin. Um, my name is Uwe Beder. I'm um, in the public affairs team of Oda and Schwarz, and they're taking care on um, <clears throat> the relation uh, to ITU, the International Telecommunication Union. Uh, we recently uh, finished the work on the framework for IMT 2030, which is hopefully then widely known as 6G in the future. So, and of course, I'm that very interested in the development of 6G. Super. Tonko, please. Yeah, I'm uh, Tonko Obulian, uh, head of uh, HACOM's council. HACOM is a creation regulator and also elected Berwick chair for 2024. Uh, so, although I'm uh, an engineer, radio engineer, I must admit I know almost nothing about 6G. <gasps> but but I've been a regulator for quite, quite some time, so I <laughs> hope I can add something to our discussion from this regulatory perspective. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Um, I wanted to ask the panel as a first question, not specifically about 6G as such, but more we're now fairly deep into the, the life of 5G and we have developed the technology, we've done the research, we've done the standardization of the first versions. Is there some things we can learn from that experience which we can then 
take on board as we start this journey on 6G. So let's start with Rafael on this side because he's looking bored. Please, you go ahead, sir. What was what's your, your view? Uh, do you have any input on this idea of what can we really learn from, from the 5G experience? Okay, let's try to give an answer as an operator. And uh, okay, it's not a it's not an easy question this moment. Five G this moment is a very connectivity oriented technology. The problem is it is not it is not a service oriented a service oriented technology, right? Because the services are not inside the network but come from outside the network. And this is the main problem from the financial point of view. It means that you know we uh, that that operators are doing a lot of investments. For on, on 5G, uh, they have to invest to deploy the network, to operate the network, but then revenues are also outside the network. Uh, and this comes with a big problem, a big financial problems for operators at this moment. As you have known, the European Commission had a, a survey uh, about the first trying new money that may come into the industry to invest in these new networks. Uh, the, the situation is still not clear so far. But we must uh, find a technology that must be uh, economically viable in the future. So this is a big challenge for 6G, from my point of view. Before we go on, how would you actually solve that in 6G? What can you imagine in 6G to improve that situation? Okay, uh, what I see and I like in 6G, it, that is, it will be an AI native technology. Will it? Will it? Well, <laughs> it's what I read. <laughs> <laughs> and what I hope, so if it is really AI native, it means that we'll be able to deliver services powered by AI from inside the networks. And that will partially solve the problem of profitability of the, of the, of the services that we are going okay. to sell on the marketplace. So that is a hype for me. And the other part is this integrated communication sensing, which looks promising. Uh, so if it works, we must find a good business model behind that. And that could be of help, of course, to solve this, uh, this, this situation. So yes, let's see. And let's work on that. So I, 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 I see that we have a smart network and services journey undertaking. So we are developing networks, but we should also develop services, right? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Isabel, what, what would be your takeaway from the experience in 5G and how we could perhaps not fall into the same traps in the 6G world? I think one one key learning perhaps is really related to um, to timing. Um, and that's also, I think, linked to uh, some of Raphael's points. Timing, I think, in the sense of um, preparing more ahead for standardization in ensuring that um, there are not so many flavors of uh, the technology, which which have created complexity yeah. and challenges in 6G, I think f both for uh, those who are deploying networks, but also for those who are trying to measure how we are progressing vis-a-vis -vis our ambitions with regard to 5G. It is quite uh, complex today. And I think that that is reflected already in the ambitions of the work program of the SNSJU, because it is already foreseen that we should, our project should play um, uh, a role in standardization and the timeline is, is, um, is aligned with the 3G uh, timeline. I think the other uh, timing um, aspect is, is very much also reflecting on what Rafaela has said is learning is that it does take time and perhaps more time than anticipated 
to nurture and build ecosystems. Um, it takes time for the so-called verticals to also figure out their needs and requirements um, and, and to adopt a new technology. And I think that is also something that the um, SNSJU is trying to address with foreseeing large and already running actually large scale uh, trials with, with verticals so that from the outset, we actually try to create um, these ecosystems and, and the use cases, which then can be taken up hopefully more rapidly than they are in yeah. the 5G era. Yeah, no, I think it's a very good point seeing that, the, especially when we're trying to move into new areas and new services, they don't happen overnight. There'll be an existing solution and you need that maturity before you bring it forward. Fuve, your view on this? Well, 5G, yeah, first of all, it's a it's a long distance run 5G. And so your question hits me like uh, you were asking a runner of a marathon after 20 kilometers, what's your experience with this marathon, right? Yes. So um, you can't give a full answer because you, you have not done it till the end. So <clears throat> what we can say in the beginning, we, um, of course, have, we had a lot of expectations and uh, a lot of, you know, people couldn't wait. We, we had this uh, first drop, which came out from the standardization, which where we had to learn, maybe it wasn't maybe the best idea to go with something which is not fully ready, but I think that's a generous way of putting it, but please go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, so I, I think we have catched up that we see now more 5g in the networks. We, I think we have a good user experience. However, we have not unlocked the full potential what 5G can deliver. So I'm very glad to see that we have a first application here for millimeter wave uh, on the demo, which is probably something where <clears throat> Europe can still evolve very much with 5G. We have licensed uh, 26 gigahertz in some of the countries. Um, however, I would say the success could still be much more and we could uh, certainly have more data rate. Uh, we have not really seen networks for URL and C. So when we ask uh, <clears throat> ourselves, what is the, the millimeter, uh, the millisecond uh, latency, have we an experience for that? Yes, certainly trials, certainly a lot of R&D uh, that has been going on in the past, but not in the real network. So I would say, 5G is still something which we need to get to another level. And however, maybe then we need also to think about 6G. We mentioned new technologies like joint communication and sensing, um, intelligent reflecting surfaces, which all comes with that when we look more into the technical details, which need to be <clears throat> um, somehow dealt with in, in research projects, which we see with SNS JU. So this needs to go in parallel, but with the research of 6G, we should not forget about the development of 5G, further development of 5G. So uh, I think obviously it's well-founded this, this point that I tried to make at the beginning that we shouldn't forget about 5G, 5G still in the process of development. And we're still fairly early in the story of 5G. When do you think we will be able to objectively see how much of success or not a success 5G will be? What, what sort of time frame will actually give us that clarity? From my point of view would be with so we envision to um, have 6G standardized uh, 2030. This is 
mm. why we have this IMT 2030 activity out of ITU. Um, that might be a good time frame to look back into what we have done with 5G because then we should be able to start the 6G story from mm. that date. Donko, your, your view on the success or, or things we could have done better in 5G, sir? Yes, if, if you ask uh, policy makers and regulators, they would probably say that 5G was a success at this point because they sold most of the frequencies and uh, reached those targets. But, you know, I, I, I guess we did a huge mistake with targets. So I, I don't think uh, we uh, discussed with the market enough. So there was no real demand, at least in Croatia where I live and work. There was no demand, so we well we discussed with the operators as well, and then you know at some point uh, the government was pushing to have an auction, and the operators wanted us not to do the auction. So we find some mid solution and postponed postponed the auction. But anyway, we did it at the end, and well, actually referring to millimeter wave, uh, we sold uh, one gigahertz of twenty six gigahertz spectrum so it was surprise for us but what actually happened it, it's also the operators to, to blame uh, one operator bid for uh, a part of the spectrum so everybody else bought it <laughs> although they also didn't have a business case at the time so nowadays I don't think we have any base station on 26 well we, we didn't push as well because we didn't expect anyone anyone to bid. We also awarded some regional licenses and uh, they were bought by smaller companies. Uh, no business case there as well. But now we have two small projects uh, which are supposed to be financed from the uh, Connecting Europe Facility mm -hmm. Fund. Sure. And we expect that uh, those projects will use this part of 3.6 Giga Spectrum uh, awarded, but it was awarded in 2021 by Pioneer Bands, so it's two years since then. And, and yeah, I, I have an icon 5G on my phone. There were no new revenues for the operators, and there were large investments in the network, and also a lot of obstacles to, to those investments, not, not to go again with this story about. 5G and COVID and, and everything else. Okay, so there's clearly some common views that 5G has not necessarily gone perfectly up till now, but that equally we shouldn't necessarily make the final judgment at this point because, you know, it's like uh, deciding that the child as a teenager is not going to be anything. He might still surprise you as he grows up and develops. So let's, let's keep an open mind there. I'm looking from the other point of view so let's put 5g to one side what do what sort of 6g what sort of next g do we need what are the sort of key elements that we need to make sure we're in that we started the discussion with there's got to be a business model which is not a bad start but beyond that or, or elaborating on that what what do we actually need to be doing maybe just boringly i can start with you again rafael because Otherwise, I get confused. So, yeah, okay. uh, I said the 5G has been a bit of uh, an empty box for operators. It means there was nothing inside. So no service inside. Services were coming from the outside and it was not so profitable. At least till now, because now we have seen the 5G 
uh, non standalone. Now no. we will have a 5G standalone, which will be the real 5G. So let's see, as you said, if the generation is going to grow, <laughs> that will be you know, uh, challenging. So, what we expect from 6G? Well, we'll expect a 6G that will come with some dis- differentiating services that, that we can leverage to monetize them and to make the industry more profitable and investment grade when it arrives. Because if we continue like this, I doubt that that operator will buy any 6G license or be able to invest in 6G. If, if, if we take the, uh, the present scenario and we project it seven years uh, ahead, it, we, we will have a problem. So that, something must change either in the regulation or in the technology or in both of them. So otherwise, no 6G No, obviously that's quite shocking, especially for the vendors for you to hear that you wouldn't buy it. I mean, even if they make a nice cabinet, stuff, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, you can have colors and well, yeah, anyway, is it? <laughs> so I think that, that 6G really promises to be a, a rather transformative technology, one that is a unifying technology. Uh, but also I think, um, in terms of the program and the, uh, that we are foreseeing, it also already embeds values which were perhaps not so prevalent in 5G research. And I think one one key area is sustainability, which of course in links to the Green Deal and our you know, shared ambitions vis-a-vis the Green Deal for the technology itself to be more sustainable, more energy efficient. The enabling factor of making other sectors and industries uh, greener, but I think it also includes economic sustainability um, that, that is important for those who are investing in, in the technology. So I think kind of building in sustainability and these new concept of key value indicators is certainly, um, is certainly a novelty in the development of the technology. From what I have read about 6G, it promises many, many new things. Uh, so, so let's see. But I think um, from a societal perspective, uh, really the, the society, kind of giving responses to our shared challenges mm. is, is a key aspect. Mm. Okay, interesting. That sort of societal aspect rather than just the technical aspect. I was just a little bit concerned when you were saying making lots of promises because perhaps that's one of the things in 5G we perhaps promise too much at least in the first phases mm-hmm. and maybe uh, I also see the, the use cases which are being proposed for 6G and I'm thinking I've seen them before somewhere well oh yes it was 5G so we need to be also managing expectations to some extent I feel and maybe we haven't done that well enough in the past. I, I really would second both your in Rafaela's comment with regard to 5G, and I'm not here to, to defend uh, 5G, but but I uh, but I think that as a technology, uh, you know the kind of the flexibility that slicing mm-hmm. enables, we we have just not seen that yet. Yes. Those really tailor-made, very specialized yes. services, and hopefully they are to come. And I think that the the other important aspect to link 6G to 5G is that I think seven of our ongoing projects are actually taking the evolutionary path and not the revolutionary path. And I think both are actually quite important. Yeah, yeah, very good. Why we need 6G? Well, um, yes, why do we 6G? What must 6G do? What what, what must 6G be? 
Well, first of all, we are technology enabler. We see 6G as um, a, a basket full of new technology that will come up. So that would not be justification on its own. So, of course, what 6G should do is we have a lot of new application use cases, which have already been discussed, from digital twin, holographic communication, also in the uh, in the area that, that we have <clears throat> this in a fashion that this could be provided to many people. So some could say at the end also, well, we could do part of that already with 5G, which yeah. is true. But <clears throat> let me compare also with high data rate. You could do that to some part with 3G or 4G, but not for a high number of users in a cell. So of course, with 4G and 5G later on, we also win uh, energy efficiency, spectrum efficiency. And I would see this also as an enabling that we have this technology enabling these use cases for a large group of people. And uh, this we should not forget when we have this discussion of a new technology, probably in, in some limited fashion, you could use the technology that we already have right now. Mm. But for making it um, an asset of a mass usage, we need to go for technology uh, which enables a much better usage and heard energy efficiency is certainly something we uh, need to take care of in the future. What do you expect from 6G? Yeah, or what do you feel it, it, well, it, it should have? Or what, you know, uh, is if, you, if, you're writing, if you're writing a recipe for a cake, what needs to go into that cake, the 6G I'm, cake? And I'm listening to, well, I somehow listen, not same, but similar story. We heard at the beginning of, of the 5G. So, so the question is, who is going to buy this nice, nice stuff? Uh, well, would you like to have our holograms here or you prefer to have us here? So we are, we are let's say, back to normal after COVID and we mm. enjoy being mm. physically yep. here. So, so I think uh, we need to really have a serious discussion and, and, and on the market with, with the potential consumers, with businesses, I think on the first place, because that's what we miss in 5G. We all use now 5G if it's available, but uh, for the same price, so on your revenue. <laughs> uh, so for 6G, we should be sure before we start, be before I award frequencies, I want to know it will be used for, for something new. Otherwise, it's just it just generates another income for the state budget, which is fine. My my government my government likes it, yeah. But 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 so so I think we we have to carefully examine the market, and of course, let's develop the technology. Otherwise, you 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 cannot examine anything. Yeah, but that that is a sort of in its own right that that statement is short of showing the two different views of how you can do it so clearly you can develop a technology by saying oh right, well let's start with the business case and the use cases and, and let's first define the use cases and then from the use cases we will develop the requirements and then from the requirements we'll then develop the technology and that's 
typically what we've done. But is that a valid way to still do things in so much as that's not the internet way of doing things. The internet way of doing things is you develop technology, you put it out there and people will come and use it and people will develop those new applications and things like that. Have we got the balance right in the way we're doing things? Because it strikes me a lot of the use cases that we actually use to define the technology never actually come to fruition. It's a density to create a market. So would we not be better sort of saying, well, okay, we'll take more of the internet view that we'll try and develop the best possible technology with a fairly arbitrary set of KPIs, if you see what I mean, but with the understanding that they do that well, and they do that so well that people can build services on top of them. Okay, you might worry who's going to build the services, but you 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 understand what I'm saying? There are two different approaches. You either go from use case driven top down, or you say, no, no, let's develop the technology do everything the technology could, put that out there and let someone develop on top of that the killer applications. Ladies first. Ladies first. I always prefer ladies' choice, but I should have to the back up. <laughs> I think that's a different subject, isn't it? We'll, we'll do that one later. <laughs> um, I'm happy to, to go um, first and I think just reflecting also on, on, um, on our work program. I think as you have just said, both approaches have their advantages and disadvantages. So yes, if you start from very specific use cases, then you're trying to address very specific needs that have yep. been identified. And then hopefully if you, you go from, from that perspective, if you're working closely with, with businesses and, and sectors, there will be take up very quickly. So that can generate revenues. However, this doesn't necessarily allow for kind of the more revolutionary approach for entirely new out of the box mm. type of uh, services to um, to appear. Therefore, you 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 need also, I think, in parallel to have research which takes a more revolutionary path and and do these two things basically in parallel and then maybe have some kind of iterative actions where where you can see okay do we need to follow up do we need to fine tune do we need to do a more advanced version of one or the other so so i think that from our perspective, perhaps a key learning is that you need to do both, that mm. you should not underestimate, uh, you know, the importance of, of doing things sort of from a, a specific use case and maybe doing them less uh, revolutionary, but you, you need to do both, I think. And that's probably going to be the way forward for 6G. Let's see. Let's see indeed. Yeah. So it makes it easy. I have to share most of, of your views and um, <clears throat> I, I think, boring. Let's yeah, have a disagreement no, no, on this panel, I, please. But in a different way. So um, it, it probably meets in the middle. So you need to have some kind of vision framework to at least see where you're running, at least some direction, right? And yeah. I think that is what, what we do when we talk about digital twin, no, all these things, right? So this is somehow the direction we need to get. And now we have a lot of engineering and great ideas to generate real cool technology. And I think that is happening in the standardization process to reach the KPIs that we had from these visionary applications. I believe it then meets in the middle that with these KPIs, we probably can do other things. Mm -hmm. So for example, when you, when you take 5G, I think with, with 3G or even with 4G, we have not so much discussed uh, campus network, networks, which are now 
quite often used. And uh, for example, uh, in Germany, we have 300, over 300 licenses for the uh, C-band mm -hmm. uh, for, the, for the campus networks. And this is quite uh, a success story that we should see that probably has, would not have happened with an older technology. So 5G was enabling to have a setup possibility for campus networks. Innovation. Enabling that is, that innovation. Is innovation. And if you look back in, in, into the uh, visionary documents at that point of time, when we were at the same stage as we now with 6G, with 4G, with 5G, you will not find that. Mm. Right. Mm. So we will, we have a lot of things happening with 5G that we have not thought of 10 years ago. Right. Mm. And we should not rule out that we have clever ideas in the future. As well. Let's hope we do. In fact, you know, uh, we, when, when we started with the 5G, we organized 5G day in mm -hmm. Croatia. So yeah. we didn't invite operators. Yes, we did, but not to speak. We invited at the time, small companies and, uh, actually two of them became unicorns later. So maybe you even know for Rimac and the cars. Yeah. So, so he's, he's rather famous. So his engineers were there full of ideas, how to use 5G. It was in, uh, 2019, but they still don't use it. So, mm. so, so you see, there were such a huge expectations and I wouldn't like to see this happening with the 6G. No. So. I would go for with the both processes in parallel, definitely. And, and I will try to promote technology because you never know somewhere there might be someone having some other ideas and we didn't ask. Yeah. I mean, it's very good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from my point of view, uh, I think that we should have two approaches. One is bottom up which is the one but which we are already doing. Yep. So at this moment, we in the research phase, we pull together technologies, right? Which makes sense. For instance, artificial intelligence, which seems a very promising and smart technology. So yes, let's accommodate that in 6G, right? So we bring all these technologies together and then we create our connectivity technology, so 6G. And that is okay, since in that, in, in this way, you can accommodate innovation coming from the outside. So you're creating the basic infrastructure of connectivity and developers can develop their services, which is good. But on top of that, now we need also a bottom down, a top down, sorry, approach. So we must have a solid vision of our industry for the future. We want to know where we are going to and try to detect some basic services that we can provide only with 6G from inside the networks because that would save the profitability issue. We must do that. Otherwise we end up like in the pandemics. You know what happened? That in a pandemic, there was a big increase in the of demand of connectivity. Mm. So the, the, the demand of connectivity has skyrocketed. But then what happened? That revenues fall down. It's totally ridiculous. I mean, this never happened in any other industry. How is it possible that in front of a big increase of the demand, revenues of operators go down? That cannot be. Of, of course, there are different reasons between that, yeah, hyperconnectivity, commoditization, uh, regulation, whatever you want, but the, the technology has a responsibility also in that. So we must be sure that 6G solves this problem from my point of view earlier. What could be a conceivable business model for 6G? How can we make that money for operators and for others? How can we, how can we change that business model? You mentioned AI as one possibility, so providing AI as a service. 
is there any other way that we can sort of just, I mean, one has to understand that from an operator point of view, it's not just the investment in the hardware, the base stations, which can go to billions. It's also the spectrum in many countries, which is equally billions. And that those billions have to come from somewhere. So how, how could we justify, how could we make a business case for 6G to an operators that would actually stick? Oh, that's a bit, a bit easy question. Uh, easy question. Yeah, thank you. For, 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 the answer. For me, send it back just to me personally. That would be <laughs> no, no, no. no, thank you for that. Okay, uh, of course, it is a very different, difficult question. And today, already today, for instance, GSMA is coming with an open gateway initiative in which operators sell any APIs to external players and they monetize traffic from the mm. from exterior. So that could be uh, a valid business model. So uh, opening API, so not the network is not totally transparent and open to everyone, but it is open in a controlled way so that, you know, uh, the traffic to a traffic corresponds to revenue. And that is fair enough from my point of view. So that could be a business model, which will come on the market now, next year after mobile World Congress. So that is the first idea because operators work on that. Other business models, we should work on that. I mean, uh, of course, we, we cannot work together on this model because we have an antitrust problem and we cannot do that. But still, we can, you know, reflect on how to create a solid business on six trip. So we should do that. Other comments on business cases? Well, I think one thing with regard to 5G is really that we haven't really seen these really new services materialize no, just yet. And 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 perhaps that could be a breakthrough or a novelty with regard to 6G that there are indeed new services that we are called for smart networks and services joint undertaking hopefully for for a reason that there are indeed new services developed relatively early on for which there is perhaps a clearer uh, business case but but I think that also reflecting a bit more on the challenges of operators research could help actually reduce the costs. 5G is not cheap to deploy um, and and that has consequences both for those who are investing in it, obviously, um, that it is a challenge to find and justify the capex, but it has also a, a societal aspect to it, which is that it is being deployed mostly in urban areas, especially when mm. it comes to standalone or, 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 or advanced 5G. Um, so I think that with regard to 6G, certainly the objective is, is to make it more affordable for investors and by that also to make it more widely available and ubiquitous, um, so that we don't have a new digital or whatever gap it will be called divide it will be yes. called uh, the 6g there is a, a 6g device sort of prevented from the outset comment well you know uh, when we did an auction uh, in 2021 we placed an obligation uh, on the operators to cover this cover this underserved area which they did but we also decreased the price accordingly so that could be model again for 6g but but we must really discuss this frequency issue mm -hmm. because we are discussing the prices for for ages and you know there's more and more and more spectrum needed so so i think we, sh we should have a really discussion on the european level about the prices for spectrum because it also arises from country to country yeah markets are still different licenses are awarded in each each 
members. So yeah, mm-hmm. that could be one of one of potential actions, at least from from this regulatory point of view. Comments, sir? No comments. Not comments to uh, no, no frequencies, of course, but uh, we simply need to keep a couple of things that have been running well in 5G. I, we we are still discussing what should, should we change. There are also things that we should keep. Yes. And for example, that we have like IMT and the I stands for international. I think one of the of the success of 5G is that we have a scale of economy there that we have a standard which can be de- deployed worldwide and we are not separating it in a standard that's only good for Europe or Asia or the Americans. Yeah. So this is definitely something we should keep and probably also we should remind ourselves um, to uh, see a value in the success that we already have with 5G and keep the good things in 6G. Excellent point. Okay, let us open up the floor to questions from the audience, either in the room or remote. Yeah, well, regarding a remote uh, audience, we asked a poll question about their opinion on uh, what is the most significant problem that 6G networks could uh-huh. you know, uh, or should aim to solve. Well, uh, two things stood out, uh, network re- reliability and security, and also supporting emerging technologies such as Augmented reality, virtual reality, AI, and stuff like that. Hmm. That's their view. Um, one question came in from the online audience um, in the context of network reliability. How will 6G networks address concerns about downtime, especially in mission critical applications? Oh, it's good. It's not too technical. So, if everyone can have a go at answering it, I appreciate that. Do you want to, do you want to go oh, for that? Oh, 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 this is an easy question for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, oh. You are the upgrade. Well, you know, what can I, what can I say? You know, I, uh, augmented reliability reality is something which has been, will be discussed since several. And, uh, you know, we hope that the metaverse will be a consistent uh, concept that we can, let's say, offer as a service. You now, on, on 6G, it looks like before I, 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 there was a panel saying that we, we wait for 6G to offer the metaverse. That was really the title of the, of the panel. So I was quite surprised at that. Exactly. So, okay. I, I trust <laughs> that this is true. <laughs> that 6G will, uh, will, will be the technology enabling metaverse, but I hope that 6G will come with AI from the inside that will offer services, which are very close to the customer. So the first who receives the customer data is the operators actually we should avoid that this data flows to the other part of the ocean to give a service based on AI so okay that's... I think I think the question was a little bit different actually it was more about reliability and mission mission mission, 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 mission <laughs> how can we improve that in 6G I, I can appreciate why you chose to answer a different question I would be the same mission critical services uh, okay um, we, we need 5G SA for that, right? So yeah. we need standalone and standalone is still not really there. So let's, yeah. let's try to learn the lesson from 5G SA and uh, then uh, let's see if this works with CG. But honestly, I, I can't answer to that question. No, it is a very technical question. I'm assuming, does anyone? No, no one fancies that one now. I mean, it is a valid question, but I think that's probably for more technical Oh, Toon's going to answer the question. Off you go. No, I'm not going to answer the question. Ah. I'm going to supplement it with more problems. We don't need more problems. We've more got enough questions. problems. 
Because the resilience or the reliability, when 60 is going to be there, we will live in a digital society. Everything will be running on 60. If you take a thought experiment in 2030, if the network is down, no more mobile communication, yep. nothing will work anymore. So it is of the utmost importance that it always will work. And because of the relying on 60, it also is very important that it will work everywhere. And now Rafael's problem is that this, this doesn't necessarily imply that he's going to earn more money. He's just going to have more KPIs on reliability, availability, coverage, etc. without necessarily more. I think that maybe the one option to do is to take into account policies, regulatory framework, See if there's a way how you can do something to make sure that we will get this. I don't know how. Is that is it going to be a, a new act? Yeah, maybe <clears throat> this might be a point I can uh, uh, at least comment on. What we see is that in coverage obligations, uh, we, we still have a lot of regulators going for a kind of field strength approach for a KPI, but we see more and more regulators moving into an area. What is really the quality of service and the user perception in my network? So we see a change of that's going away from hard physical KPIs into KPIs, which you can experience as a user. That might answer to some extent what you have been pointing out. And uh, we see this uh, in probably and see this more in the, in, the, in the future options or license conditions or whatever. So I think there is a, maybe we have a regulator here, maybe can comment on that. And, um, but this is uh, what we see right now. There's much more interest in this. And when you look into um, also, for example, CEPT uh, documents for 5G coverage, that is one aspect that we already have there that uh, you go into kind of uh, network performance in, and not only in the field strengths to evaluate the performance of network. All right. Uh, next question. We need to be quick. And thanks for the great insights. Uh, I just want to bring another angle to this. Um, given that most of the use cases are indoor, um, how do you think uh, Wi-Fi may impede the development of uh, 6G? And then I guess the other question is for probably for you, Raphael. Why didn't the operators were able to cope up and monetize the 5G on the service layer and wait until external um, players came in and took advantage of that? So the same thing <laughs> you probably have. Your, your 10 seconds starts now. <laughs> Here's all after all of that. Just to... Okay, thanks. What, what can I say? You know, uh, there have been very smart players coming from the outside who are providing, you know, what's up, basically, you know, and then substituting the SMS. So, what can I say? There were, there, there, were, there were excellent players from the outside who understood that 5G is totally open and transparent technology, and we can serve services which are monetized with a different business model. People who offer WhatsApp don't charge you anything. They have totally another business model. So that is their strength, having a different business model. And they can leverage data of our customer that we self cannot leverage for that. So that, that is a problem. So they play a different game. So we don't have a level playing field with, with, with these people. I, I see that this is the problem, basically. All right, next question. 
Yeah, just let me add then one uh, additional problem here. We didn't discuss much the uh, softwareization, cloudification. Uh, so for the network transformation that starts already with 5G, with the segregation of hardware and software, so are the operators going to see a pivot in their business model to become cloud players? And then we will have smaller players uh, putting antennas. And then we speak about the regulation problem. So. When that is would, the right time to that would be one, wonderful for a, a separate panel in its own right. I think of that sort. Of, did you did you wish to make a comment or not on that, Rafael? I mean, cloud cloud cloudification and all that is already obviously a major issue, but is cloudification something which is happening today? Yeah, at least on the core. I guess with six G, we were also perhaps talking about the RAN and and beyond that. I think that that is an opportunity, honestly speaking, you know, operators yeah. look at cloudification as a, as a reductor of OPEX, basically, this sure. is the main application. Now, analyst says that uh, in order to be profitable, the ratio between uh, OPEX and revenues must be below 60%. And so whatever uh, you can do to, to raise revenues, which is difficult, or reduce, reduce OPEX is fine. So cloudification is perfect. Mm. Anyone else? Uh, Barak is uh, at this moment exploring the, the influence of the cloudification of the networks uh, on the regulation. So we will come with some results, but you know we wish to see what we will do with this. Okay, um, we are very much approaching the end. Um, what I'd perhaps like to do is give each of the panelists thirty seconds just to say. We talked about some of the issues with 6G and some of the problems with 6G. What are the advantages of 6G? What's 6G going to bring? Raphael, you can start. Well, for the two <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, my big hype is AI, as, as, yeah. as everybody else, uh, I think. So that will change the world from our point of view. And if we can, if we can provide it from inside, the 6G will be fine. But also this integrated sensing uh, concept is very interesting, you know, because we'll be able to sense with the technology without adding nothing to the equipment. You have a new, you have a new service there, really, which comes no. by free with equipment. So that could be very interesting to explore. Thanks, so. Um I think building on what Rafael has said um, already, and also to a certain extent, Uwe, I think um, it promises really to be a transformative technology, which sort of unifies a lot of these different elements. Mm -hmm into something that ultimately will lead to that kind of world where actually it, it sort of transforms our daily lives, the way we do business. And I think that we are seeing the signs of this sort of paradigm shift in connectivity already as the outcome of the famous consultation that, that you have referred to where it is already clear that the business models are changing, but also the expectations are changing. What we have heard from, I think, some of the questions with the new problems is that we expect just something very different to what connectivity was pre-COVID. It has to be on all the time. There is no peak of peak almost anymore. Uh, it, it has to be secure. It has to be resilient. It has to be reliable. It has to be everywhere. It has to be affordable. So I think that the expectations <laughs> are just very, very different. And we have to come up with a technology, with a solution, with a global standard yeah. that solves, I think, a lot of the challenges, if not all. It certainly seems Apart from anything else in this panel, we've identified enough challenges, so that's good. Move it. 
6G for me, uh, yeah, holistic connectivity that uh, we can use as a platform to um, enhance um, social life, business, also conditions, power consumption, basically to address, and this is also again bringing back the ITU, to enhance all the SDGs that we have. Yeah. Nice to be the last one. Yes, <laughs> yes, because no one's brought any ideas up to yeah. it now, so you've got a clean field. Oh, yeah, but you know, uh, sometime, uh, somewhere, someone is going to discuss why 7G. Sure. And, uh, That's and the next then, hand then someone again will ask the question, was 6G a success? Yes. Yeah, I would like to hear it was. It was a big success. So let's make 7G even bigger success. But mm -hmm. I, but I wonder whether we as regulators can help. We'll try. I'm sure you can. Colin, ben, also your opinion would be important on that. My opinion. I think we have a chance. I think we have the chance to make 6G something special. We need to step up to the challenges and we've been very good at identifying challenges for well done panel and audience but i think that actually puts us in a different position than 5g because the set of challenges is different and if we take those as the starting place for the technology we're going to develop i think we can succeed and i think one of the things which perhaps wasn't stressed so explicitly in this panel but this key aspect of sustainability perhaps sustainability over performance in other words saying look the most important thing in 6G technology isn't necessarily that I get better KPIs more bandwidth lower latency than 5G but just do maybe the same but far more efficiently at far lower cost and then I immediately have a business case and things go forward okay that was enough for me uh, let's thank the wonderful panel Thank you very much for your time and your excellent answers. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by SNS ICE, an EU-backed project focused on creating a collaborative environment for the development and deployment of 6G smart networks and services. The project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number 10109584.